Welcome to TechVets, the podcast, the show dedicated to exploring the world of tech and cybersecurity through the eyes of industry leaders and ex-forces personnel. We'll delve into the top issues that are shaping global tech debate, and we'll hear real-life stories from the people who are driving forward with careers in a global cybersecurity market, which is projected to reach £210 billion by 2026. In this show, we'll be discussing stereotypes in the tech industry and how COVID has broadened and complicated the role of cybersecurity professionals and CTOs. Joining us today is Dave Allen, Chief Technology Officer for Cysium and a globally recognised cyber expert. We also have Stace Lidgate, a Principal Cyber Consultant, Matt Cole, an Open Source Intelligence Analyst and Penetration Tester, plus TechVet's own CEO, James Murphy. Four very different individuals with four very different tech jobs, but with one thing in common, they're all UK military veterans. So can I start with, I, I guess you're the uh, uh, you're the youngest, Matt, aren't you? And, and the one who's most recently moved from the military to the private sector. Tell me about the, the stereotype that you reckoned you, you know, you'd come across from the military of the of the cybersecurity consultant. Yeah, so a big one for me was my lack of like, technical experience, I guess. So my sort of stereotype of people working in this field was people just sat at a keyboard all day, tapping away code, knowing like every single coding language there is to know. And um, that just isn't the case. That is part of it, of course, but there's, there's so many other areas within cybersecurity. Um, a big one is being able to talk technical language to people that aren't technical, to a non-technical audience, because half of the people we're going to be working with are going to be just regular companies. And so it's really important to have that, um, I don't know what the word for it is, but the ability to to talk that kind of technical language to someone that doesn't necessarily come from that world is a, is a big one. Dave, Matt's describing a geek. You, do you consider yourself a geek, really, or not? Yeah, probably. I think I've, I've been there. <laughs> I've been a closet geek all my life, and I think um, I think probably hit, I probably hit it well when I was in the army. But um, no, no, definitely, I've, I've always been interested in technology, and I think you, you've got to have at least a, 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 an interest in technology generally to be to to get the most out of this industry. Um, and I think you, you see the most successful people in this industry who are passionate about technology. They're passionate about making a difference. They're passionate about being the best they can in, in their particular area of expertise. And as Matt said, that, that, that might be sitting down coding 24 hours a day. It might be being a trusted advisor to a client. But whatever it is, I think I think knowing your place and being comfortable uh, and, and channeling your inner geek uh, really helps. I think that's a really important point as well, Dave, because there's a lot of people who will be leaving thinking because they don't fit that that sort of prerequisite um, idea of, of having you know 20 years experience coding or Know, being that person that's super technical that actually it's not for them whereas really if you've got a passion if you really enjoy technology or cybersecurity, then then there will be something for you regardless of, of what you think that might be um, on the outset yeah stace stace you weren't you weren't actually uh involved in in this in the military you, you were on the medical side weren't you what, what what did you do and how did you make that jump to um your current job Yes, yeah, so, so many years ago, and uh, almost 20 years ago now when I joined the military, I, I joined the um, Royal Army Medical Corps. So it was, it was as a specialist medical logistics officer, so medical support officer is the, the, the title that they called it. So much more around the, um, the people management, soldier management, 
um, logistics and, and especially overseas when we were doing kind of combat and um, humanitarian operations, looking at how we would um, evacuate casualties and all the kind of planning and risk management was a lot of a lot of the role that we did. Um, I, I left the military after about seven or eight years um, and joined uh, a big consultancy as a, as a junior consultant. And, and from there, that's where the, the kind of passion for IT and big IT projects came along. Um, and I was lucky enough to recognize that that leaving the military at that time, you know, I, I, I will say I'm a bit of a geek. I'm, James and I are wearing a pretty good pair of geek glasses today, I can see, but I've <laughs> always been really interested in technology and how things would work. And, and I think I recognized that I needed to, to join a company that was going to give me a really good foundation education um, in, in IT, because that's the way that the world was going. And I was really lucky enough to get involved in some big, digital transformation projects um, and, and do quite a lot of study alongside to, to kind of open up the world of tech. It was fantastic. So the, the, the skills which you brought across from your military career, was it like Matt describes that, you know, the, the, the personal skills, the people skills uh, above all, or, or do you need that kind of love of technology too? I think, I think you need that love of technology because th- there's always going to be a love of what you do, right? And none of us would go to work if we didn't, didn't have that passion. But you're, Matt's absolutely right. That that ability to translate complex problems in technology to people that maybe don't understand that is is a real skill. Um, and problem solving, time management is another really great suite of, of of kind of skills that I think a lot of veterans and, and ex-military people bring with them. I think on that one stage as well. I think what we've seen the different the differentiator between a good person in this industry and a person who doesn't do so well. It is that passion and interest. And I think you've got to care. And, and, and it, it comes across the clients. It comes across your colleagues. Like if you care about something, you'll go the extra mile. You'll try and figure it out. You'll sit down till late at night to try and to reverse engineer the problem, whether it's a person problem or whether it's a technical problem. I think I think really giving, giving a, can we swear? Are we allowed to swear? Giving a shit about, 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 about what you do, <laughs> I think is, is important. And you think- it's, it's dedication to the mission as well, isn't it? You know, that's that's something that people bring from the military. They they want to they want to succeed. They want to do what's being asked of them. They need to achieve that end goal. Uh, and you know, they'll they'll leapfrog all sorts of obstacles just to just to get there. And it's always about that's a problem to be to be solved rather than it's a it's a blocker that I'm not going to get around. Yeah, and, and it's been works. curious. It's been curious. Yeah. And, but and then also having that. The personal motivation to to go and learn and continue to learn um, yeah. and and develop your skills and I think Matt, Matt and I know we were talking kind of a few days ago um, like really good example of of someone who's joined the company and is kind of increasing his skills to do loads of stuff you know I I will hold my hands up and go there's so much about cybersecurity that I need to learn I've I've gone back to university to go and do you know more more distance learning about it it's it's having the motivation to do it. Matt, do you feel like you're the kind of person a client can, you know, point you in the direction of press the button and you will achieve that target? You know, you will, you will get there and you will you will do what they want you to do. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's embedded in all um, ex-military people. I think it's the ability to, well, not like um, James said, it's that dedication to the mission, isn't it? When you've been told to do something and you've got you've got a job to do, you're probably going to see it to the end. You know, that's just the way we're wired. And also, I think something else that embedded in the military is that ability to be adaptable so if there is a problem you can think around it there's, there's another way around it and um that's really important in this line of work so somebody's just moved across how much of your job is client facing how much 
chat do you have with clients? A lot of actually, because I work on the, the kind of human capability, the capacity building side a lot. So we work with a lot of foreign militaries and building up their own skill set. Um, so that'll be teaching them penetration testing skills or open source intelligence skills. So it's my role is actually very client facing in the sense that I've got to bring these guys up to a standard where they can work independently themselves. James, is that something you find with people you place in the tech industry that, that what, what, what Matt's describing? Is, is, is he relatively typical? Um, I, yes, I suppose the, 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 the foundational skills that, that Matt has brought across is definitely typical. But I suppose the other point to, to make is that, you know, military aren't a homogenous body and they've all come from different backgrounds. They've all you know, served, you know, one person to the next would have served in a different service, you know, different trade, had different experiences on operational tours. Um, but the one thing that is is really um, apparent is that most people leaving the military have a, an experience in working in an operational environment, uh, whether that is in the UK, um, even in training um, or, or live overseas on operations, you know, had rather complex um, you know, modern sort of uh, history to, to forces overseas. Um, but what, what's really true there is that when they're coming out and they're leaving and, and stuff happens in, the, in, in their jobs, um, they're the first one to say, look, it's fine. It's not a problem. Uh, you know, let's remain calm. There's a process we can follow. Uh, let's, just, let's just deal with it one step at a time. And that ability to be calm under pressure, the ability to um, manage process and also to manage people and the people aspect, you know, the, the, the the, other, the others have brought out is really important because cybersecurity, there's a huge focus on the technologies and on the platforms, on these wonderful magic wands that you can wave and, and all your cybersecurity problems will go away because you're paying um, X hundreds of thousands of pounds a year to, to run this um, platform. Where actually one of the biggest issues that we have is people, being able to manage people, develop the people in your teams, do so in a way that brings the best out of them, you know, encourage multidisciplinary um, activity to, to bring all those different skills together. Um, but also when you're dealing with clients or, or you know, uh, other, other um, aspects of the job or, or other teams across the business, it's making sure you're, you're enhancing that security awareness and culture. Dave, could you, with that in mind, explain what Sizium is, what it does? Yeah, so, so Sizium, um, I think all the things that James mentioned before around the values and the, the philosophy um, that, that I personally have got from the military is, is how we've tried to build the company. So it's a values-based company and, and therefore it, it attracts a certain sort of person and, and we like to look for a certain sort of person. So it's no accident that Sizium is um, probably 90% ex-military from all different cap badges. You know, Matt's from Intelligence Corps, uh, Stacey from the Medical Corps, I'm, I'm Royal Signals. Um, and I think, I think for us, that those things come first. So the values come first, the, um, the ability to work well under pressure comes first, the, the, the passion in, 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 in any, whatever it is, whether it's a particular technology, whether it's a particular theme, uh, we like to encourage that passion. So for example, Matt, a great example where he come across to us as an intelligence analyst, uh, Austin specialist, Arabist, Germanic specialist. I think what we've done is we try to focus on, on all those attributes and see where he can work within the company. And he's a great success. But because his, his passion and his interest was in penetration testing, then, then we've supported that and we, we, we've, we've helped him get to a point where he's a qualified pen tester. And I think for us as a company, that, that that's more important than saying we do X, Y, and Z. 
for us, we can say we've got we've got a cadre of experts, we've got a cadre of specialists. We are the Swiss Army knife cyber consultancy. If our clients have got a problem, we're able to to deploy a, a variety of skills to help solve that problem, and more importantly, we're able to communicate it in a language that the client understands. There's no point in Matt doing a pen test and finding all these holes in a system if we can't work with the client and articulate what those holes would mean, how they need to prioritize their money to fix those holes, what the plan looks like to sort of remediate it all, all the skills that you learn in the military around, around putting things in order, around being able to communicate good and bad news to people, managing the crisis. That's what everyone in the company needs regardless of what role they're in. So to distill it down, we are that Swiss Army Knife consultancy. What we do is we help our clients survive, thrive, become a more effective um, organization in a, in a digital age. And what, what's the mark? What, sorry, just quickly, what's the market for uh, these services? Is, is it growing? Is, it, um, is, is there a need for more cybersecurity? There's a, there's a need for more resilience. I think the, the market as a whole, I, th- I think for, for too long, um, penetration testing has, has been held on this pedestal of, of that's all cybersecurity is. And, and I think what we see with our clients is they're getting quite fatigued with, with pen test reports that don't really help them solve their problems. The pen test report is, is really important and pen testers will always be an important part of our organization. But I think the industry needs people that can help them advise on digital resilience. It, it's going to go wrong. When it goes wrong, what do you do? Who do you call? What things you need to be put, put in place so that the, the outage to your company is, is reduced? And I think that, that that's what we're seeing, especially in COVID, where organizations have been thrust into creating a much bigger threat landscape for an attacker without without really thinking about it people working from home people using their personal wi-fi for their work email you know or, or for their work uh, data or, or all the all these little bits of risk that have been increased and, and companies just can't get a grip of it all so there's no point in trying to build a big wall like, like james said a big you know multi-million pound wall around your company with flashing lights everywhere that tell you you know your cyber's okay i think companies need to invest um, and, and they're starting to in, into resilience. So we've got these basic things in place. What do we do when it goes wrong? How can we react and recover quickly? And, and yeah, and just to pick up on a point, a couple of points there from Dave. You know, cybersecurity is is so multifaceted. It isn't it isn't just about one thing. Technology, hardware, software, yes, but also culture of your your organisation and your people and how well they're trained, how they handle data, the legislation that's there. What does your supply chain look like, and how is it interlinked? Um, the the world has kind of gone through this fourth industrial revolution to become more digital. So cybersecurity at the very heart of that, keeping it safe and secure, is always going to be um, important. But it isn't just about one one thing. There's so many different aspects to it. Yeah, and I found as well that the, the military are really good there because you know I've worked with people who are so fantastically amazing at what they do. You know, their their fingers on keyboard, code running down the, sh- the screen. They're all over everything they do but their world sits within that screen and they don't like looking beyond that and dealing with the people aspect of it. And they may not want to step back and take a look at the bigger picture. And one thing I find from a lot of the service leavers, once they're drawn into a a new role after their military career, one thing that the hiring managers then come back to me and say is really cool is the fact that they are able to step back, look at the bigger picture, see the various different things going on and, and appreciate that it's more than just a one trick pony. It's more than just a pen test report. It's more than just writing code. You know, it's more than just having someone to, to put a nice fancy risk matrix together. It's all got to be done together. It's got to be every team working together. And again, you know, we, we never go into a mission in the military 
where it's just one infantry section. You know, there has to be all the different elements there, the different levels of support, the different multidisciplinary skills within that team as well. And, and it's not as simple as just, look, we've got to do this and we're going to get it done. There are so many other things uh, involved and military are really good at thinking through those sort of problems. So, Dave, what effect has our least favourite C-word, COVID, had on, uh, on, on this uh, operational resilience and on your, on your relationships with clients? How's the last year been for you? Uh, from a business perspective, it's been great. Um, I think when, when COVID hit, we, we prepared for the worst. Um, and th- the worst didn't really happen for us as, as a company anyway. I know a lot of companies struggled. And a lot of companies have had their ups and downs. But I think we maybe had a month where it was really quiet, where we had to rebalance things. We lost quite a lot of overseas work, but we made it up through UK work. Um, and I think, I think because of the approach we've taken, you know, we're... We're not just doing one thing. We're, we've got we've got expertise rather than rather than a product. I think it's it's been much easier to to work with existing clients and and, and offer them more security, more advice, more support. We've not really had any COVID related work. We've not really had anyone call us and say because of COVID I need X, Y, or Z. It's been more of a continuation of the same and, and natural growth. Um, and I think it's all down to the people. You know, I think I think we've surrounded ourselves with really good, talented uh, civilians and, and and mainly ex-soldiers. And I think. For me, as a you know, as a director of a company, it just makes my job really easy because the, the, the people do all the all the selling without, without knowing that they're selling just by being really good people. So it's yeah, it, it's been it's been relatively straightforward. Uh, in terms of working from home, though, I mean that that must you, you must have changed a bit in the way you you've done things, and uh, and there's a kind of popular imagination of, of the CTO able to work from a laptop from wherever they are, but we've also heard in this chat that there is uh, a lot of relationship involved in this job too so how have you managed that so again i think as soldiers we're all used to working in different different environments sometimes on your own sometimes as part of a team you know and i think as a company internally we've we've managed quite well i think i i personally have struggled with with remote workers and and trying to trying to organize myself how I think about remote workers and how we how we manage the work but I think as time's gone on I've just learned to, to trust the guys that they know what they're doing we don't need to watch any clocks they start work whenever they want they finish whenever they want really as long as the work's done the outcome's there it, it's up to up to the individuals to manage their time and, and manage the clients they've got my job really is to make sure that people are okay they're, they're not they're not working too much uh, which is a, a big risk I think for us as a, as a company and a big risk for the type of people we've got in the company. They want to just keep going until the job's done. Um, it's not a six-month tour. This is a, a career. You know, there's, there's 10, 20 years ahead of us here. So I think I think trying to change that mentality is is important. But most of the guys here, they're on their second or third careers anyway. Um, they're all, all mature adults. So it's 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 been easy. You know, I, I don't want to I don't want to over overplay. Um, my own, my own struggles. I think I think it, it's been relatively easy because of the people we've got. But is that is that damaging um, in part because of the the sort of decentralised command and the way we we lead within within the MOD? I mean, I imagine you've taken a fair bit from that. You've got to trust that you 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 know you issue your direction, you you provide the the strategy or the or the mission and and tasks, and, and people get on with it, right? And and you you trust them because they know what they're doing. They're confident in themselves, um, and you've got that culture. Yeah, and I think there's an element of what one of the biggest problems I think is. Because of remote work, and you tend to communicate in fifteen-minute blocks. And um, what, what I miss 
is having a team in the office and we've got a whiteboard and we're talking through a particular idea. But I think um, I think we'll, we'll get that back one day, and that's not that's not much of an issue. We, we've learned to we've learned to just have lots of ad hoc phone calls, and we've learned to over communicate almost, and and, and, all, and not see Teams or Zoom or whatever else as a I've got to book a fifteen minute slot. You know, Matt will just say you got two seconds, straight on the video. What's up, bud? We have a chat, and we move on to the next thing. Stacey, exactly exactly the same thing, and, and I think I think that's the beauty of of COVID's taught us to. To, to work, to sort of force us to learn a new way of working. And it's not been that bad. It's not been that hard. It's, it took a bit of adjustment, but I think we've all, we've all adjusted quite well. Well, that's the best operational tour I've done. I've got the fridge downstairs. <laughs> Stace, how's it been for you? Has the day been easy to work with? Uh, I, I mean, what a dream. But that's the point, isn't it? I think, I think if, you're, if you're joining a company where um, the, the culture isn't right for you or it's not the right fit, then you've got to, you've got to really look at whether that's the right place for you to be. So you know, one, of the, one of the best things about joining Sizium, you know, and as Dave said, after kind of two, two or three jobs and careers beforehand, was um, you know, it's, it's the right place to be because it's, first of all, really exciting work, but also a great group of people that's fun and is like, entirely motivating to get out of bed. So um, you know, I feel... I feel very lucky actually throughout this entire situation. Um, a lot of friends who have got kids and are homeschooling and are kind of juggling lots of different responsibilities. Um, there's me kind of hop skipping, jumping out of bed to, to do work and, and kind of work with our clients because it's um, it's really, really rewarding. Um, I mean, you know, it's, it's also been very relentless. I think mean, we've talked about kind of the resilience that the military teaches you, I think. Um, I think I've been much better off in this pandemic because of my military experience and because of having maybe that that discipline to just go great. Let's just plan the week or the month ahead. But um, it's worth uh, mentioning that Stacy is like a, if you imagine an Energizer bunny, <laughs> you, give, you give the Energizer bunny a, a big a big can of Monster followed by a double espresso. Uh, she, she's the worst at sending emails at one in the morning. I've just had an idea. Yeah, <laughs> I'm on it. It's fine. It'll get done in three days. Great. It does sound almost vocational, like your job in the military was a you know a little bit vocational. Is is that, is that fair to say? I I think so, but also I think I think we're really lucky with the types of clients that we that we work with. You know, they're they're really passionate and they they really value our opinion and and you want to go the extra mile for the people that you're working with. Um, it's um, is it vocational? I, you, like Dave said, you know, you have to have a passion for this. But I think that's true across any any job, any career that you're doing. You know, if you if you aren't enjoying it, what what's that spark that you're going to get? What's the joy that you're going to get from from working every day? Well, it's a job, isn't it, rather than a career? Yeah, and I think exactly. that's the difference. We find so many people leaving the military, they just want to get a job because they they're told so many times, "Oh, just get a job, and once you're there, it'll be fine." But if you get a job and it's in the wrong place in the wrong industry, um, you know, and you start to become unhappy. The, the issue there is there's a dip in confidence, you know, and they, they don't have that um, necessarily, then they don't have that motivation to get out of that slump, some of them. So I think, I think you're right. It's finding what's passionate. And, you know, one thing that we've found that we've been able to tie in quite nicely is the military community, which tends to be like that, almost like a family. It's really, really flipping strong. And people will do all sorts just to help out the person next to them. Uh, and we've, we've worked into the, that this wonderful idea of people just being able to come and ask questions and, and find out for themselves early on whether it's for them or not and if, if they are passionate about it then the world's their oyster you know they've got everything that they can possibly want to get um you know in their future careers 
it, it just needs them to work hard to get it. And I think that that passion will help them do that. You can't, if you're not passionate, you're going to struggle, you know, and, and, and Dave and I've had this chat previously, but um, you know, if they haven't got it in them, that continuous and Matt Christ, I mean, imagine how much stuff he's had to really you know, dig out blinds to do after hours to make sure that he's still hitting the mark on his, on his learning development. You can't do that if you're not passionate, you, you've got to have that drive. Yeah, exactly. does, that, so does that kind of bring reward with it? I mean, is, is that is part of the reward of the job that, you know, you, that the passion you bring to it kind of feeds back into you? Is, is that the idea? Well, I think when you, when you, when you look at kind of individual motivation, it's, it's always going to be about you know, a few things. So um, professionalization, mastering something, but also having the autonomy to kind of learn about those things as, as an individual, you can't help but be more motivated when, you're learning stuff and you're doing well at it and and what you're learning is giving value back to a team of people in a company so yeah i just keeping on that continuous learning pathway is always going to be good for you and and for a company i always tell people to have short-term short-term goals are much better than long-term dreams because (laughs) it's so difficult to achieve a dream but short-term goals are really really awesome you know it keeps you motivated you know if you have a month to achieve something and it's quite a specific task then then you're going to do it and I imagine Matt, like you, you must have seen a real bonus from, you know, from writing that first line of code. You know, most people start with that "Hello World," um, and then getting through to the point where you're delivering your first, your, your first um, pen testing report. Obviously, not writing the report, but the, uh... yeah, massively so. That, that, that's the thing about pen testing as well; is it's very gradual with the skills. You know, you start off. I need to learn how to write just basic Linux, like a command line. So learning that to start with it was the first obstacle. Then I get that, and then the next stage is okay. Well, how do I use this? And then it's just constantly adding on top of the next thing. You always feel like you're not good enough because you're, there's still more to learn. But then when you look back at what you've actually learned, it, it's amazing what, what you, you've learned. done it. The, you've done it the right way as well. You, you've been patient and you've worked hard rather than just you know thinking that you can do a five day boot camp course and, and be a pen tester with a hoodie on in your attic with matrix on the screen and. Yeah, it's so important if, for anyone who is interested in getting into pen testing is learn learning the basic networking, basic security principles first. Is and doing is that, does, pen testing, I imagine, will be very difficult once you've got those basic like command line skills, knowing how to exploit a network without knowing what port 21 does, something like that. That's something that um, is going to set you back. Could you have learned that in the military? Could you, could you have done a course on that? Or is that something you've had to do since you've left? I think you, you probably could. Um, I did it while I was in the military in my spare time in the evenings. Um, there's so many resources online, including with TechVets. They've got the, uh, the immersive labs, which I, which I used a lot. It's a really good way of just, it's a, it's a practical learning environment online where you can, it gives you instant feedback of what you're doing. You know, if, if you do it right, it tells you you're doing it right. It gives you a little confidence boost. So I did that in the evenings after work. Um, and you joined Sizium during... Covid, didn't you? So, have you been trapped in your room for these last few months and unable to move out? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I left during the pandemic last year. Um, yeah, and I I got the job at Cisium through a mutual contact in TechVets actually, um, which is which is really really fortunate for me. I think. Um, I in terms of being trapped in my room, I mean, not really, because a lot of my work has been overseas with you know, foreign militaries and things like that do in the capacity building. So I've been quite fortunate in the sense that I've been able to travel still. A lot of people haven't been able to, if they say I'm quite fortunate with that. So where have you been? Uh, I've been to the UAE, but several times. 
So, so um, only one country at the moment, but that's that. Well, that's terrific. I mean, that's several countries more than most people over the last year. So that's that's, that's very good. Um, Dave, can I ask uh, uh, about um, um, Matt's situation? I mean, are you are you finding that um, people you're taking on like Matt are are able to kind of get out there and and do a lot more, or or do they tend to sort of get locked into their laptops and 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 just do that? No, anytime I ask Matt if he can do something, he says yes immediately, and then thinks about how he's going to do it afterwards. <laughs> I think is a. It's an admirable quality, and I think it's one that most soldiers have got. They'll say yes, and then think about right now what. Um, so, and I think that, that that kind of attitude is fantastic. Um, and it's, it's I, like I said before, it just makes it really easy to work with. And I think I think what what's also important is that Matt, picking on Matt is on the phone, but but he's also really open and honest about when he can't do something. So he'll say yes, I'll give it a go, but he'll immediately come back a day later and say I'm struggling with this bit or. I need a bit of help here, and luckily we've got the team internally to be able to answer to answer the questions. But we we, we still use tech vets. We still ask questions to the, to the military community. There's nothing. There isn't a problem that hasn't been solved that, that hasn't had a, a a thread somewhere on tech vets talking about it. And 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 just to touch on a point before about about training and courses, about you know certificates and things like that. There's nothing that you can't find online. I think um, I think the important thing is is finding the person that helps you find those things online, because there's, there's quite a lot out there if you were to, and, and Matt will be able to tell you, you know, start from scratch, you don't know where to look, and I think TechVets provides the community to help you know where to look. Yeah, I think that was that was a big problem actually that, that I wanted to cover really early on um, when I when I took over uh, the helm. I, I think we get people coming out, um, and what do they want to do? First and foremost, they're getting all sorts of courses thrust into their face, you know, do this, do that. At the moment, I'm seeing people leaving doing pen test class and CEH. Look, they may be really credible, but they're just not being recognized by, by hiring managers in industry in UK. You know, so already they're barking up the wrong tree and spending money doing so. Um, but then, like you said, there's so much stuff that's open source. I mean, there's incredible amounts of stuff out there on o- open source. You know, people just log on and access stuff for free. But the, the issue they have is how do you show someone where the right stuff is, where the stuff that's actually worthwhile doing um, and, and seeing the wood for the trees. So we've put together a framework that at least gets people from zero through to the point where they can understand how to use networks and you know network administrator, system admin sort of roles. Um, and, and I thought that was really important because all of a sudden we're managing expectations. And like you say, then we've got that community and w- what better way to do it than use people like yourselves who are already out in industry doing it for real um, who are able to give back and you know what we do see you know from size amongst others is is that real um, sort of ingrained uh, principled approach that military have to, to help each other out and give back and that's what we see on all the channels and it's particularly active at times with people jumping on calls to, to walk through uh, walk people through stuff um, you know giving the right signposts for the right right stuff uh, so it works really well. James, is that your top advice for somebody who's considering leaving the military and, and going into cyber at the moment? That you know, take advantage of courses, or, or, or is there, are there other things you 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 put above that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and we, we saw this with one one of our members. In fact, a few of our members where they've thought, they've had this idea that they want to be you know a pen test or a security analyst, whatever it may be, and they haven't done their research up front, and that's left them in a position where there may not be enough jobs in there. Um, it may be that um, on top of that, that they, they're not going to hit that sort of baseline salary and that they need to pay for their bills when they leave the military. 
So there's these sort of considerations that people need to take um, real sort of, uh, you know, grab the ball by the horns and really dive into it. Because if you don't understand your pathway from the get-go, you're going to waste an incredible amount of time and money. And then beyond that, just understand that there's a community there to help you. And implementing skills is a lot more important than waiving a certificate. Um, and now you know, the certificates for training, they're fantastic. They benchmark your skills. It's a common industry language. If you pick the right one, it's going to help you get through the CV sift. But when you get to interview and someone like Dave says, look, here's a practical question. Um, here's a problem. How do you solve that? If it's not an exam question, how are you going to know how to do that? And the five-day bootcamp courses are great for consolidation, but they're not going to get you from zero. They're not going to give you a, a real good understanding on how to implement those skills. So what we recommend is use the community, you know, grab hold of someone in there and get them to help you set up, you know, your own home network, you know, your own, you know, spin up a virtual machine on a, on a network that you've created that you can just fail and fail and fail again. And every time you fail, you learn so much more than you would uh, on a five day course until you get to the point where whatever problems thrown your way, you know, the tools, you know, the processes, you know, you know, the methodologies uh, and you can apply those and adapt those to suit whatever problem you face. And that's something that we need more of uh, in cyber anyway. I think I'd I, I jump in there as well, mate. I think um, when, um, whenever we interview someone, we always throw in a practical scenario-based question. So, and, and, and the, the test of the individual isn't a certificate. Like, like you say, the certificate, get, it says to me, yes, you've done the basic skills and, and you can pass that course. But it's the practical application of those skills that's really important for me. I, I want someone who can hit the ground running. I want someone who can do that job. If they're, if they're coming in demanding a 40, 50K salary to be a pen tester, they best know how to run a pen test. They best know how to run a pen test on a, on a large enterprise environment with multiple stakeholder management to be able to write the report end to end, know what happens when something doesn't work. They, they, they better, and they've got to be able to articulate all that in an interview. If they've done a two-week CRT course, that's fine. But, but that puts you at the bottom of the pile when it comes down to your expertise and your experience within that area. And it's not because you're a bad person. It's because the competition is so fierce. You know, you, you're, you're, at that sort of level, you're competing with guys who've been in the industry for maybe 10 years. So there's just a, a huge bit around expectation management. And I think, I think a lot of these trading companies are, um, are doing that badly. They're, they're, they're saying to soldiers, if you come and do this course, the average salary is 40, 50K. Well, it is, but it's 40, 50K for someone who's experienced, who's been doing that job for a few years. It's not for someone who's just done the course. And, and, and I, don't know how, I don't know how we address that. I think TechFest is doing a great job of doing that. And yeah, I think HR is broken. HR is broken regardless. And I think that's something that so many of us are trying to fix. And I see so many people across industry trying to fix it. You know, I've seen some really great ideas for, for interview. You know, like rather than send me a CV, show me your GitHub. You know, if you can show me your Git repo, I can see exactly what you're doing in your own time in code and, you know, or write-ups or whatever it is you want to you pop in there. And, and showing that evidence rather than this horrible traditional cv which is so difficult to write and you're excluding people that may have dyslexia you know may have learning difficulties it may even be on the spectrum we don't tend to get those um necessarily from the military as much but these people that have got minds that are so much more uh, adept at certain problems in cyber that that people like myself won't ever be able to solve um but we, we're not giving them the leg up because they've got to write this stupid cv that, that's just a load of text and um, we all have the same person somewhere right Stace, what advice would you give to someone considering leaving the military but who's probably too scared to take the leap in this economic climate? 
Uh, I think the, the the biggest one for me would be do your do your research. So um, we, we talked before around the culture of Sizium. You know, it's just a small startup company that's got some really great values. Um, but there's an, an inordinate amount of different companies of size and shape there. And, and I think you've got to be really clear on on what what is going to be right for you. You know, is a bigger company where you do go in at a more junior level to, to take um on that experience you know do your research about what what is out there is freelancing right for you well if you haven't got the experience then probably not um are you going to get those jobs like like james says so i think do your research you know use those networks that are there linkedin tech vets you know reach out to people i think don't underestimate how much people especially the ex-military community want to help so matt this process of moving from military to the private sector to the job you're in now and the way that Stace and Dave and James have described it, is, does that ring true to you? Is that, is that basically what happened to you? Absolutely, yeah. Um, just to copy Stacey, basically, using the network wisely is the single most important thing, from my personal experience anyway. I wouldn't have been in this job without meeting the mutual contacts that Sysim had with me. It's quite simply, I, I wouldn't have found them. I wouldn't have approached them. So knowing who to talk to is, is really, really important. And even if it's someone that you've only worked with for maybe two weeks on a detachment somewhere, that was true in this case. I just worked with this guy for two, for two weeks in some detachment I did, got in touch with him. And then he said, oh, we need someone with your skill set." And then there we go, that's the conversation started. And Tech Vets is, I've said it before, I say it again, it's, it's a really good place for that. And also I would say about it is, it's an incredibly friendly community as well. So if you, if you just, open up a conversation with someone because you've both got a military experience you've both got like a shared experience already you've got a similar mindset and they're going to help you they will absolutely help you i've had people give up time in their day to just talk through give me some advice places to look for certain tools that kind of thing it's a really really friendly community and honestly if if you're stuck just reach out to someone on tech but it's, it's fantastic well, I think that last remark by Matt really says it. There's some great anecdotes and insights shared during this panel. And I think the key points that stand out to me are the importance of resilience, of your adaptability, and a little dash of geekiness would probably help too. And no doubt everybody's advice will resonate with our listeners. Dave, Matt, Stace, James, thank you for joining us. For our listeners, you can find out more about TechVets and how to become a member by visiting techvets.co or searching for TechVets on LinkedIn. If you're a business owner or work for a company in the tech industry and want to find out how to get more veterans into your team, drop James Murphy a message via LinkedIn. You'll find all the contacts you need in the description for this post. We'll be back in March 2021 with our next TechVets podcast. Thanks for joining us.